0: Hi, and welcome to the Kino First podcast. My name is Abigail Kelly, and I'm with Gwen. Gwen, say hello. Hello. Gwen, you are a friend of mine, you are a romance reader. Uh, And therefore, you are also in the minority of the people who are on this podcast, because most of the people (laughs) on this podcast uh, are friends, but are not romance readers in any capacity. Uh, So so welcome. So welcome to the podcast. Happy to be here. Yeah. Um, So we know each other through the bookstore I work at. Um, And from me going, oh, you ordered a romance novel. Hi. (laughs) Hi. Have you met me?
1: Yeah, I had not met you, but then Allie <laughs> thought that we would be great friends, and it seems that it has worked out. So. <laughs>
0: it's worked out so far. Um, but I, I feel like I know the answer to this, but I always ask a, a the same question. Whenever a new guest comes on the podcast, it's very easy. It's not a pop quiz, promise. It's a temperature check. Um, how do you feel about romance novels?
1: Well, this is going to sound weird, but I love them, you know, romance, mm-hmm. love. No, I really like them. Um, they, I think I read my first one when I got into college. Mm-hmm. I was not quite ready for it.
0: but <laughs> No one is, I don't think. You know what no it age.
1: Randomly showed up. And I think I just did a Google search. I, I don't even remember. Mm-hmm. But it showed up there. And I think it was Lexi Blake. Hmm. Okay. And I remember it was Dungeon Royale. Ooh.
0: Ooh.
1: yeah, it's um, it's like a BDSM book. Mm-hmm. So really not quite ready for
0: it. <laughs> Here's what's wild: is I feel like that's a really common story. People accidentally picking up a romance novel for the first time and it being some really whack shit. Because um, that happened to me. The very first romance novel I ever read, like I read fan fiction for like ever, but. The official first romance novel I ever read. I was 13. I ordered it off of an ad on fanfiction.net. And it was the first online purchase I ever made with a gift card I got for my birthday. (laughs) And um, it was called Kiss of a Demon King. And the entire plot revolves around edging. Like, the whole thing. literally the whole like magical system all of it like the, the whole thing is that demons have to try out different women they have to have sex with different women to uh finally find their like one true mate and how they know is that they can like ejaculate for the first time and this woman who's like an evil sorceress knows that she's his mate and uses that against him and like sexually tortures him to like get what she wants and it like and it's this whole thing it's this whole thing and That it was the first one I ever read and I was like what the fuck just happened what did I read <laughs> so I get it I get it
1: uh <laughs> and I have realized that I did kind of tell a lie there mm. um cause the first one that I started reading I didn't finish mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. was a a Sorceress of His, his Own by Diane Duval. Okay, and I downloaded the sample, mm-hmm. and I read the sample, and then I completely forgot about it. Mm, yeah, and I not, later not a great went time. back to read it. <laughs> and then I went to college, and mm-hmm. so that's when I started reading. I didn't finish the Dungeon Royale. Um, I later went back and read it after I read A Sorceress of His Own. Hmm, and so. I do like Diane Duval, and I have mm-hmm. read her Immortal Guardians series and her Gifted Ones series. There are only two of those. All right, and then Aldebarian Alliance—the second one came out somewhat recently. I
0: think back uh, in January. Ah, all right. So you are you are well versed in, and I think specifically knowing you uh, like paranormal slash urban fantasy romance. Um, would you, would you say that's correct? Probably. Probably, probably. Is that what you prefer to read or do you like also, I mean, I know everyone's reading rom-coms right now, but.
1: Okay. So there are only really three series that I've read.
0: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And that is the, well, no, I guess then it would be six because they each have three series. Uh, The three by Diane Duval, which I've already mentioned. Yes. And then the three series by... Nalini Singh. I haven't gotten into her Who Done It books. Uh huh. Um. But I have read her side Changeling, side Changeling Trinity, and Guild Hunter series. Okay. And actually, no. Now that I think of it, I've read more of her books.
0: I, she well, just does have some others. She's extremely prolific. Have you read the um the what is it Frick the one she just released with like the archangels and stuff? I haven't gotten to it yet. Um, archangel's Sun. Yes, there we go. You knew exactly what yep. I was talking about. Yep. Yeah, I, I was it came up on my like big new release thing, and I was like, oh, I need to get to that, and I just haven't had the time.
1: Um, I have read it. I also I ordered the covers that you get in the U.S. Because I like having them in paperback. Yeah. I like having books. They're just so much nicer than having them on Kindle. But mm-hmm. I will say there are times when you need to have
0: a Kindle. I like, I have traveling. to. Traveling. I have to have it because i i read so much faster digitally um that for the podcast right I have to have ebooks and I try and always order things through my library if it's possible or to pay for them um but i I have to have it because like i i'm like I speed read essentially on my phone but the moment you give me a, like a paperback which i do enjoy more I feel like it's a more tactile sort of experience right understandably um it does take me like, Twice as long to read a book, which isn't, in fairness to me, I still read pretty fast, but I can't do, like I was telling you before we started the podcast, right? Like, I can't do three books in a day if it's print for whatever reason. I have to do that digitally, um, which is probably also not good for my, like, eyeballs and brain, but, you know, here we are. It's t- too late now. Uh, that's the one we're talking about today. You know what we're talking about today? do you want to know what we're talking about today, Gwen? I'm guessing books. Are we talking about books? Yes. My favorite topics. But mainly we're talking about shifters today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like you know quite a bit about shifters, or at least certain authors' interpretations of shifters at this point. Am I correct in that assumption?
1: I would say you're correct, because there are well, a lot of shifters in Malini sings. <laughs> <books. laughs>
0: I think that's like so. her most famous series, right? It's got to be the Side, series. Um, Side Changeling series. Side and Guild Hunter. Yeah, so. I I will admit I've only read one uh, of her novellas in the Side Changeling series. Um, I have read an enormous amount of Shifter books. You kind of can't get around them you kind of can't get away with not reading them at some point if you are interested at all in paranormal romance or urban fantasy romance you are going to run into shifters no matter what you do no matter what filters you put up i do not care you will run into shifters shifters of every conceivable shape uh history magical system like shifters everywhere it's an embarrassment of shifters um and I, so I, I I thought about doing a specific book for this, and then I was like, there is this is too broad a topic. I will will do this episode, and then eventually I'll do like episodes specifically about like different types of shifters and different shifter books. But I felt like this would be a good primer to talk about like why people like shifters, uh, why they're so popular um, in in the romance, the paranormal romance subgenre at the moment. You know, I think. Probably prior to shifters, right, it was just, like, witches were super popular. Um, And then vampires, of course. And I think these things kind of come in waves. But I think shifters have had some real staying power. Like, it's been about ten years. Shifters have really stuck around. (laughs) Um, Probably because I think there's, like... Like, you you can literally just do whatever you want and call it a shifter. Um, In pretty much every subgenre, actually, is what I discovered. But... Before we get that deep, I should probably say what a shifter is for someone who does not know what a shifter is.
1: Um, Go right ahead.
0: So I found a lot of really interesting stuff about shifters when I was looking into it. Because obviously this has been a super popular subgenre within a subgenre, right, for for like 10 years before that as well, but like really hit its stride in the past 10 years. And there are countless, countless romance novels with shifters. And so I knew that there was going to be a fair amount of think pieces out there about why people like shifters so much, which is exciting for me because a lot of times I get into these like really niche subjects and all I find are like the occasional blog post from some like rando who's like and here's why women like tentacles uh, you know like and it's like <laughs> i don't trust your sources but sure um but this was different obviously like there were there were a lot of really good journalism on it actually um and but but I, before we get to that i'll just go with my off-the-cuff definition of what a shifter is um and i just put a person who can fully or partially transform into an animal or mythical creature um i also wanted to right off the jump say that there is a lot of gay shifter books, like so much. And I'm not going to really touch on that too much here because I would like to do an actual episode probably with Fred uh, that is about like gay shifters and how that relates to like the um, specific parts of gay culture. Fred, he goes by film otter um, because he's an otter and that's like, Like, it's like a whole thing. It's like a whole subculture thing. Um, It's very interesting, but also, like, we're not going to get into that here, but I did want to mention it because it is, we will kind of touch on it again, I think, later in the episode, but queerness, I think, has an interesting part to play in this, and also the lack of queerness in a lot of these novels is very interesting, um, and I think says a lot about certain corners of the romance industry one might say (laughs) uh and not all of it is flattering let me just say but before i get off on that i also um found this good uh like really quick piece from the romance book club that said shifters can shift into any animal or creature imaginable imaginable. Some popular shifter romances involve bear shifters or dragon shifters, likely due to the impressive and intimidating imagery associated with them. They have a real sense of power, so that power, tamed and gentled by the love of someone else, often a woman, uh, makes for a very romantic combination. And I thought that was like a good kind of brief on A, why they're so popular, and B, what the heck they are. Uh, How do you feel about that, Gwen?
1: Yeah. I think it kind of makes sense. I mean, you've got the the fact, like, with bears and dragons, they're always seen as like big and scary and mm-hmm. well, very masculine, like the whole masculinity, yeah, uh, vision. So then you have the nice woman or somebody who seen is seen as more in touch with the emotions is going to tame the raging beast, kind
0: of thing. Mm-hmm.
1: If the alpha is.
0: trope. The alpha trope yeah. is strong in in, in uh, shifter romances. Um, yep. Which, if you don't know what that is, um, we're gonna. I I, I want to do like a whole subsection of this episode talking about some other alpha stuff. But for the beginners, basically, an alpha in in the romance. Genre is like a tough masculine man who takes what he wants and who like dominates but like in a fun way, uh, and who like is all the like hyper masculine. I want to say the best parts in quotes here of the hyper masculine ideal, uh, as filtered through typically straight women's eyes. Um, there's a lot to say about that, there's a lot of negativity there there's a lot of you know we we've come a long way in romance with like the whole dubious consent and rape culture stuff um that were really really super prevalent in romance novels like right up to about 2010 if i'm being real with you um that had a lot to do with like an alpha male taking what he wants even when she says no but she doesn't really mean no and it's like no she probably does actually don't do that Um, she eventually gets stockholm syndrome yeah. Yeah. Eventually you just kind of give up. But that's that's a different podcast. Um, but, uh, you know, it, these shifter romances typically kind of they, they hinge a lot of times on a, an alpha male, whether that's an alpha male lion shifter or alpha male dragon shifter or alpha male Polar bear, I don't know. Literally, could be anything. There are like shifter romances between like a polar bear shifter and like a a, a, a ferret shifter. Like it's a like there, you can you can any combination. Like I swear to God, I swear to God, I actually saw that it was like a mink and a and a and a brown bear or something like that. And that's that was a gay one that I was like fascinating. Okay, we'll we'll get back to that a little bit later. Abigail will investigate. Um But. I think these a lot of these novels kind of hinge on what is now kind of come to be known as the misconception of the wolf alpha omega dynamic um, which I don't know if you know anything about that do you do you know anything about the the misconception there
1: No, no so, I do not So basically I
0: know that the alpha wolf is like the guy in charge and then the omega is kind of like the loner So that is the common conception. So there was like a study done in like the 50s um, by a, a scientist who looked at captive wolves and saw this relationship of like the alpha male wolf in charge of the pack and everyone else is dismissive of, of the alpha or like submissive to the alf- alpha male. But the alpha male uh, is the one who breeds with the, the ladies and the alpha male is the one who protects the pack and gets all the like subservience and stuff. That has been debunked by the same scientist who did the research, who realized pretty quickly after that that um, he was looking at captive wolves who were under stress and were not actually the real social dynamics of wolves in the wild. Um, And that wouldn't have been that bad. He corrected his mistakes. He's done follow-up studies. People have built on his work. And, you know, that's how science works, right? That wouldn't have been that bad except for for people read it <laughs> and people were like, yeah, alpha male. he's the one who gets all the ladies if he's strong, you know, their men submit and like all this stuff. Right. And they took it and ran with it. And that has led to some really fucked up stuff. A lot of pickup culture stuff Incels have a lot of, you know, DNA that begins here. And we can also see how that has been adopted in romance novels, particularly in shifter romances where, like, these people have animalistic characteristics, right? They build on this idea of, like, an alpha male who is dominant, who requires submission from their sexual partners, and whose sexual partners want to give that submission, but only to the strongest male, even if that's, like, subconscious, and so they fight it in order to, like test them and make them prove their worth and stuff like that. And there's a lot of like sexual stuff in there. And that's like even in like non wolf shifter books, right? Like it's it's all over the map, right? Like I I read a bear shifter once, a bear shifter book once that like had a very similar dynamic and it's just it's 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 everywhere. And that has recently morphed into something far more interesting on the internet. We will get to that. I think that I I I don't <laughs> I don't know if this is a fad that will I want to say it's going to lose favor soon, because I think we're kind of growing out of this very binary, alpha male-centric thing. But also, some of these books is pretty good! I don't know, like, I I can't, I don't hate it, I don't hate it, like, it's, it's fiction, you know, right? It's not... It doesn't say anything about you personally if you enjoy these books. It doesn't mean that you're looking for this like masculine you know, character of a, I mean, a caricature of a person, right? As your as your human mate, but um, I, I think it is interesting. It's worth looking at, um, and I'm not the first person to say that. Um, but how do you feel about about all the uh, all, all all of that baggage? <laughs> um. Well. I really don't know how to answer that.
1: (laughs) See, because so with the whole alpha and shifter part, yeah, I mostly read Melanie Singh, who does a, but I think it's a she tells a very good story. Yeah, where there is the alpha male, like there's a wolf shifter who's Hawk Snow, and he's the alpha of. Oh, oh my gosh! I can't believe I'm forgetting the name of them. That's okay. Snow Dancer, the Snow Dancer Wolf Pack in the Bay Area, well in Uh California yeah um and yes he is the alpha and he is the strongest but apparently also in in this whole series alphas are the strongest it's just part of the physiology if yeah. you're if you've got the scent of a future alpha you're going to grow up and be stronger and faster and blah 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 yeah um but he's also you also get to see a lot of like the other side of him where, in one of the short stories about two of his lieutenants, there's a baby's born and within seconds he calls and is like, I'm gonna come down and see the baby soon. Yeah. You don't, you have the hyper-masculinity, but you no, know,
0: I don't I really think, know, have
1: to answer the question.
0: No, I think that there is an effort to kind of step out of that strict mold. I think as readers have, gotten tired of i mean it's just boring right it's boring if 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 a male character is the same in every single book and he's just this hyper masculine caricature of a person who only wants sex and baby and female you know like it's i'm gonna drop the book yeah, I mean and that's that's what a lot of these books were. And I think there's there's DNA of that still in most of these books, right? Like there's usually like some sort of physiological compulsion to breed, right? With with a a partner. Mm. Usually it's like sense based right or whatever. Um and I I'm not going to judge anyone for for liking these books. I read these books, right? There's I understand the appeal of I think there's a very human desire to kind of let go of inhibition and be and just, like, explore our base instincts. What would it be like to just look at somebody, smell them, and know that they're, like, perfect for you? That'd be fantastic, right? Like, and, but it's also a very complicated social hierarchy accompanying that, right? Um, I I find it fascinating, endlessly fascinating, if I'm being honest. The dichotomy between, like, trying to make a feminist character fit in a world where, like, they are ruled by alpha males or, like, vice versa, right? Where there's, like, a, a lack of choice inherently in, like, who you end up with, who you're sexually compatible with. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I could ruminate on that for days and what that means and how, like, that plays into fantasies and why really you can have fantasies of submission and, and enjoy these books and whatever, and it doesn't mean... Anything for you personally or that you're not a feminist or whatever, right? Like
1: Oh yeah, I'm I'm not gonna judge anyone for reading these books. I'll I'll pick one up. I'll just pick up a random book and I'll
0: read it. I mean, they're just fun. They can be really fun. I don't It's also kind of escapism. Absolutely escapism. Absolutely. And like I was saying, right? Like there's a a certain joy in in reading a book that is so holy different from your own experience and kind of allows you to for a second sit in a world where like things are binary and kind of easy right in that sense um i think it and also, also gives you
1: like a safe way to like
0: explore something without actually putting yourself in
1: that situation
0: absolutely like that is that is 100 okay like there's a w- much wider conversation about like taboo and and like uh, sexual desires and exploring them in in fiction and also like in comics and stuff like that right like it it's all it's all fine it's fine it's okay like it's okay to read something really really nasty and be like i wouldn't want to do this in real life but i'll read about it right like that's okay um but i i wanted to i wanted to explore this because there is like there's just so much, right? There's so, there's an overwhelming amount. And it has taken a really interesting turn in the last few years that I saw initially through the lens of fan fiction. I haven't really read fan fiction in the past few years. I've I, Every once in a while, I've like gone back and seen, you know, somebody I enjoy post something, but I, I've been busy. So like if I have reading time, my ass is reading actual romance novels because I—that that is my job, essentially, right? <laughs> um, I, I, I can't make that. Also, something about, like, I used to be okay with being able to read things that are not finished. I can't do that now. I can't. Emotionally, <laughs> I can't do that anymore. I've gotten so spoiled by just picking up something and being able to read it all in one sitting and be satisfied at the end that the idea of, like, committing my heart to something that may never be finished... It fills me with such dread. Like, I used to be able to do that.
1: Up, you're going to end up in limbo for so long, potentially. Did, like, it would never get finished.
0: Well, that's the thing. Ugh. is, like, I I am someone who remembers pretty much every detail about most things I read. That is my my curse, is I, for all of my life, like, I read a book and I will forever be able to tell you everything that happens in that book. Here's the problem with that. I still remember fan fiction that I read as, like, a 10-year-old. That never got finished. I could tell you everything about the plots of those fanfics. And they never got finished. I still am waiting.
1: I think you need to have like a little memorial service for them. I need just to like give yourself closure.
0: <laughs> yeah. And there's ones that I know as an adult, like I, I every once in a while a miracle will happen and somebody will come back like 10 years later and be like, yeah, I'm gonna finish this. And then they just drop 20 chapters and they finish the thing that they had begun writing in 2014 or something, right? But that almost that that's very very rare, um, and so it's really hard for me to commit at this point in my life. I need I need someone who can commit back, <laughs> you know. It needs to be reciprocal, um, but. If I if I want something, if I if I just need something to read and I want something that is going to have good chemistry that's going to uh f- fulfill my my desire for something just slightly more than like a rom-com or whatever right that has like some sort of magic or or sci-fi in it or whatever it has a little bit of spice. I'll go for a shifter book because there's so many of them. They're in every genre. I, like literally every genre has shifters somewhere. Um which brought up an interesting question. We just did a an episode on Janine Frost's um, Night Rebel series. Her, like, backlist is is all urban fantasy. And I got to thinking with Paige about, like, what the hell is an urban fantasy versus or paranormal romance versus sci-fi, right? Like, these things, it's very permeable. They all bleed together. But do you know the difference between urban fantasy and romance? Nope. So my theory... There's a lot there's a lot of it's a lot of discussion I, on I this. I feel like I'm learning a lot today. Abigail's taking you to to romance novel school today. I'm okay and here's this. what I'm going to say. <laughs> I my, my personal opinion is that urban fantasy is when there is a large magical infrastructure within the books. That's like A society within a society, right? There's many, many magical creatures and they all interact and there's like systems of like, you know, social hierarchies and stuff. Like there's a much bigger universe, right? That's usually hidden, but not always hidden within like a normal society that we know, right? The Changeling series is a really good uh, example of this, right? Shifters are just out in the world and they have their own societies within like, our culture and all this stuff, right? Yeah, uh, but the nice thing is they're not hidden. Everybody knows they're there. Exactly. And that, you know, some people would say that, oh, that's not urban fantasy um, because urban fantasy must be hidden. And other people will tell you the opposite. So, like, the definitions are all over the, all over the joint. It's crazy. I will say that because there's a huge infrastructure, that counts as urban fantasy. Now... Personally, that makes a difference between what urban fantasy and paranormal romance is to me. Paranormal romance is on an individual scale where, like, a woman and uh, a werewolf get together, but it's anomalous. We don't know if there are more werewolves in the world. We don't know if there's a huge, like, werewolf council, you know, that that presides over all the werewolves in Northern California or something, right? It's just like, this is the story of someone who is magical or otherworldly in some way. With a person who is not, typically. Or maybe they both are. But, like, it's a small scale, right? That's a difference to me. Things get even more fuzzy when we get into the difference between, like, urban fantasy and sci-fi. I would say that the Psy Changeling series really, really super, like, straddles the line between urban fantasy and sci-fi. Like, it's very (laughs) sci-fi. I didn't what i I had no idea too because I picked up her the first novella I read, which was I remember you
1: telling me which one it was I can't uh, it's, it. it's
0: in the night shift uh, uh, it's like a anthology with a bunch of like with Mila Vane and um Iona andrews and and Singh and a bunch of other people. Uh, but she had a novella in there. And I, I picked it up and I was like, oh yeah, this will be good. This will be my g- a good introduction to Nalini Singh for me. Uh, and I was like, it took me a second to be like, wait, is that car hovering? He's got a hover car? Does <laughs> where Leopard's got a hover car? Wait a minute. <laughs> hold on, wait, hold on. Like I had to like totally reassess because everything else is like more or less the same, right? Like, but like they do have some advanced technology, but there's also shifters everywhere and there's like psychics everywhere. And I was like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Uh, I didn't expect the sci-fi elements at all. It was very fun. But then I also realized there's a lot of, like, shifter sci-fi out there, um, which is what I read last night, uh, which I <laughs> did not... Book two of three? Book a yeah, book two of three. Uh... We're finally finding out. Boise. Boise, where is this? Um... Wow! Wow, my phone's popping off right now. Damn, uh, it's kind okay. me. Do you remember the characters in the book that you read? Uh, it was. I remember the girl's name was Kirby, and I didn't like it. Oh, Sebastian Kirby. and Kirby. Yep.
1: Okay, I know exactly which one you're talking about because I read that like two weeks ago. Yeah, I didn't. I
0: or I didn't hate it, it. I should say at all. Uh, but like I I I could not get past that her name was Kirby. Like I do. Ju- I like every time yeah. it was mentioned, I was like, "That's oh, that's a you." Uh, I know that's an actual name, but y- y- it's like naming. It's like naming a, a character Dracula and then having them just not be Dracula. I'm like, you can't expect me to get past that. <laughs> um, but the book I read, yes, was marked by Milana Jacks. Um, it was very fun. Uh, it was it's basically this uh, woman from a near future Earth is trying to go on an interstellar vacation and her her ship malfunctions and like starts to crash or whatever. And so she escapes in an escape pod. But her escape pod is redirected to this planet um, that she's never been to. It was not the planet she was supposed to go to. And it's full of uh, predators. And this is a classification of basically in the near future, humans have classified other alien species as like harmless and predators. And the predators are anyone who eats people. Uh, makes sense, right? Um, and you're not supposed to have any contact with them. Like if they know that a race full of predators exists, they either ban them from ever entering Earth's space or... Or they t- go to all-out war with them. Um, and so she crash lands on this planet full of dudes. And she they're, like, basically space Vikings. They wear, like, leather kilts and stuff and they carry big axes and whatever. Um, but they're... Yeah, it turns out that they are also, like, shifters. What I thought was really interesting is that they don't shift in anything, like, recognizable to us. Uh, which is normally how it goes. Like, even in sci-fi romance, they're just, like... And they sort of looked like a wolf. And you're like, okay, so they're wolf shifters. Okay. All right. You just, okay, I guess. But they don't. They like, they have, they're like a whole conglomeration of just terrifying animal characteristics, which I thought was very cool. But essentially, I, I really liked this one because he like, <laughs> she, she gets there, she lands, and she's like, oh, shit. There's a bunch of dudes who are looking at me real funny and like, all of a sudden, they start, like, dropping onto all fours and, like, their bones start moving into their skin. And she's like, oh, fuck. And so she goes running into this, like, essentially palace thing. And she finds, like, our the main character guy. there. The head honcho. His name is Hart. And he, uh, he immediately thinks she's food. And he, like, because they do eat people. They they would eat her. Because he thinks that because, like, her flat teeth, she's an herbivore. Like, she she she's defenseless. She doesn't have, like, a second form. Like, he's like, yeah, I'm just going to eat you. But you smell nice. But So I'm going to take my time. But, like, there's a whole, like, part of the book where he debates over, like, whether or not he's actually just going to eat her. And then <laughs> we get to, like, farther into the book. And there's this whole thing about, like, the men get to compete to win her essentially because like this like this whole cultural this thing after they've decided that she's not food yes they've decided she's not food just barely by the skin of fucking teeth <laughs> um and uh and and uh he he is challenged by all these guys to like for her right and um he has to kill several of them and so on one of the nights where he, everyone's supposed to return with a gift for her um and that will like decide who gets to spend the night with her that night uh he shows up and he's as like a um warning to others he has the flesh of one of the guys who like tried to take him out right and uh She doesn't know it, so she thinks that that's, like, she she wants to make sure she stays with him. I know. She wants to make sure she stays with him. So she's like, I need to accept his gift. So she takes it, and she eats it in front of everybody. Yeah, that's what I felt. I was like, oh, bitch. Oh, my God. And, they're, th- and they ter- they're terrified of her. They're like, holy shit, she's a man-eater. Oh, my God. who This little tiny, like, herbivore just ate, ate a dude <laughs> in front of everybody. Cultural differences. <laughs> like, so bad. He also, That's it's worth noting, he totally hadn't fed her in, like, three days because he thought, like, due to her, like, body fat, fat levels, teeth? he's like, he was like, oh, I don't. Like, due to your physiology, I'm pretty sure you don't need to eat as regularly as I do. So, like, he just doesn't bother to feed her. And she doesn't know how to tell him that she needs to eat. So she just takes it and she's like, I'm so fucking hungry. Give me the food you brought me. And he's like, no. And she's like, yes, my food. You brought me food. (laughs) It's it's like the wildest shit. There's, I don't know if it counts as cannibalism because they're not the same, but it sure felt like it. Uh, Oh, my gosh. Anyway, link in the description if you want to read that. But that that book did have some strains of something I wanted to talk about, which I've alluded to, which is Alpha Beta Omega Dynamics, ABO, um, for sure, if you're in the know. I don't know if you know anything about this particular subgenre. <laughs> I do not. Let's my, my- uh- my romance reading is very limited
1: to the books I have already described. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. I mean, if you're not, I want to say if you're not on the internet, you have to be in a very specific sort of internet subculture, I think, to, to understand what this is. Um, I think more people now know what it is than ever. But for years, it was like a really niche internet subculture. And that is, um, God, <laughs> it's just like, gonna be rough this could be a rough explanation it's okay so there are certain tropes that are common starting in werewolf books and that is the what i talked about earlier assigning werewolfy traits to human people typically in the form of like alpha dynamics which makes sense you know that sounds like what it is on the tin quick question should yes. I be taking notes. No, I sh- I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't leave any evidence of knowing this. Uh, cuz it's going to get weird real fast. So basically, I think every um, conversation I have with you gets weird pretty fast. That's just that's that's kind of yeah. Sorry bud. That's kind of on on it's I think a contract that's it you signed. friends. Yeah. Uh but essentially what it is is a um this subculture that developed in fan fiction where people started assigning these werewolfy traits of like certain anatomical differences and certain mating practices to just anyone, right? Like just to a wider scale without the werewolf stuff, without the shifter stuff. You didn't have to be that. Just the courting practices, the mating practices, the kind of unique tropes of werewolf stuff of like, say, smelling someone and knowing you're sexually compatible, that sort of thing and applying it to like a rom-com. Right. Like uh, this world where alphas and betas and, and omegas exist, this social hierarchy exists and you're working in an office and all of a sudden like your alpha boss walks in and he smells you and like you have like explosive sexual chemistry. And like and that's the and that's the story. Um this is going to be an extremely brief, very a paltry explanation because Boise, it's a complicated thing now, but. It was adopted by queer writers very quickly, um, and there's a lot of male-on-male fiction out there that uses this particular trope, and I'm going to be honest with you, it's not my flavor, it involves a lot of male pregnancy uh, that... Doesn't necessarily appeal to me as as a reader, uh, but but it's worth noting that it has a lot of roots in queer culture because it has been adopted by romance writers. Um, this thing that started in fan fiction has been overwhelmingly, I think, adopted by a lot of uh, these romance writers, and they've kind of washed the queerness out of a lot of it. Um, which is pretty, yeah, makes sense. Uh, that's kind of what they do. They, they've they made it very heteronormative. Um, they, a lot of times, do not like it when uh, people imply that it has roots in queer culture and that it's kind of fucked up that they make whole books about societies that are exclusively heteronormative a lot of times. Um, like, gay people simply don't exist because biologically that just wouldn't make sense. Um, and it's like, hmm uh, I don't know about that. Mm, I don't know about that.
1: That's... I don't know. History has a lot of examples of that happening. And yet yeah. humans are still here.
0: hmm mm. Yeah. <clears throat> Not everyone does that. I wanna I wanna say that. Not everyone does that. But a lot of people do. A lot of these writers do. Um and that's a that's a problem. And that being said, she gets weird, dog. She gets real weird anatomically. <laughs> um <laughs> There's yeah, I I think it's easy to tiptoe your way into this and not realize you're like about to encounter some really weird stuff, and then until you're in it, um, <laughs> I I remember the first time I read an ABO fic, uh, and that it I didn't know what in the world I had encountered because like. They get wild with the anatomical differences, my dude. Like, there's like a whole there's a whole subculture on the internet of being like, okay, like there's these things called like beta blockers and stuff like that, where like, uh, or like pheromone blockers, where if you don't want to be recognized as an omega, which is to say like, um, an extremely sexualized uh, uh, type of person, who typically, like, has no control over it. They are born in Omega, and they are, they go into, like, heat every, like, six months or something, typically, and then they become, like, irresistible to to any alpha in the area, right? And it's, like, this whole thing. And so if you don't, if you're, like, in a modern interpretation of this trope, right, like, you take pills so that you can't, your, your pheromones don't, like, attract alphas in the area, stuff like that. There's, like, it's, like, this huge thing that a lot of people have adopted into these stories about shifters, um, and you see strains of that, I think, in a lot of these now, whereas they weren't before. I don't think there's, there's not, uh, I, I didn't pick up any of that in the Lini Sings book that I read. I don't know. Patricia Briggs has definitely adopted it, for sure, in her stuff, um, and if- if you want to, like, hear about some of the, like, real wild, uh, like, drama that that has come with and the, like, heteronormity stuff and, like, all this, this, like, crazy infighting that has happened between these authors who write, like, Alpha, Beta, Omega dynamic books, um, check out Lindsay uh, Ellis's. she did a couple of videos on it Ooh, about, like, Addison Kane and, like, all these people – oh my god, it's so wild, dog, like, these people are so crazy – Okay. Like suing suing each other for like writing like this thing, this trope that is like super popular and like saying that they created it when they didn't, it's like wild. Um you know, yeah. suing
1: people just seems to be far too popular in culture these
0: days. I I don't you know there's there's a lot of money on the line. That's it. Well, there's no, a lot of money I mean, on the line. I, for I for think these books, but that's Yeah. I, I with this particular stuff, right, it's People get very defensive and they get, I think people underestimate how much money these like really, really popular indie authors are raking in. Um, you know, if you're well, publishing. If a,
1: If you're making your living by it, then, yeah, you have to defend it.
0: I, I guess. But there's, there's a difference between like intellectual property and a trope, right? Well, I mean, a trope, anyone can find it on the internet and just recreate exactly. something similar. And that's what they're fighting over like the idea that one person made these tropes when they we know for sure they didn't also this like white straight woman is claiming that she created this thing that is like really steeped in in like gay culture in fan fiction in particular yo dog you did not make this um yeah but whatever i you know that is a whole thing that i will probably do an episode on in the future and probably get sued for whatever um but i wanted to touch on it here with the shifter books because like it's it's in it right like it's it is in it um and that's i don't know what else to say about that other than to be like yeah that's wild <laughs> <laughs> i did want to list off some of my favorite shifter books i don't know if you have been uh thinking of any of your favorites so far but uh so seriously i
1: can just list them right now nalini singh go beat nalini singh just go do it mm-hmm is that it I mean Diane ball Mm-hmm. But, I mean, not shifter, though there are people with the ability to shapeshift. Yeah. But not all of the immortal guardians have that ability. Mm.
0: Yeah. I-, I think usually these people exist in a broader universe that have, like, other stuff. But sometimes it is just, it is just straight shifters everywhere, right? Like, it's not... I think that is kind of cool um, that in some of these books like the universe is just like yeah some people can shift into animals and that's it well, <laughs> you know you cool kind of learn like there's a reason for it in Diane Duval's books yeah but so. i mean like there there are books like um i think Ruby Dixon i'm i'm trying to think if this is correct I'm, it's been a while since i've read them but she had a like a series of novellas that she has never expanded which is wild to me because she also like has these huge universes that she loves to write in in Anyway, she's extremely prolific, but um, that was like bear shifters, and I don't know. Something tickles me about there being a world where just like there are just people who can turn into animals, and there's not like also witches, there's not like also psychics and stuff. They're just people who can turn into animals and people who can't. I don't know. This just like okay, sure, that's yeah. Why not? Okay, you can turn into a bear sometimes. All right.
1: Well, is it that different from some children have magic, some children are muggles?
0: Well, that's the thing, right? But, like, I I love, I think I'm, I'm really fond of small systems, right? I'm really fond of, like, authors not getting too big for their britches and trying to do everything, trying to fit every type of everything in, in stuff. Because... I mean, sometimes I just I just want a smaller world. I want a world where just, like, some people turn into animals, some people don't, and I don't have to think about whether, like, one of the characters is going to turn out to be a warlock or something, right? Like, I, you know? Yeah, keep um, it simple. Yeah, sometimes In it's quotes. nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, simple. But one of my favorite uh, quick reads uh, is Mating the Huntress by Tali Hibbert. Um, it is... Technically, it's, like, a Halloween book. It's set around Halloween, and it's about this, like... It feels mean to call her a wannabe, like, werewolf hunter, but frankly, she's a wannabe werewolf hunter who, like, has trained her whole life for this thing she kind of doesn't know how to do. Um, And the werewolf she hunts uh, just is the biggest himbo who just, like, immediately falls in love with her and is like, I really like you. And she's like, I'm just trying to kill you. And he's like, that's okay. You want to come over for pizza? Um, it's, It's very good. And he, like carves he does like wood carvings and stuff he's like an artisan it's very very fun
1: um why would she be hunting somebody
0: who isn't really that well she doesn't know that she she's like told Her family comes from, like, a race of, like, or a lineage of of hunters. And they have recently, in the past few generations, like, lost all of their generational knowledge. Um, So they're kind of just going on hearsay. And so they've been told their whole lives that, like, they need to hunt these wild beasts because they kill people. And so they do. But they don't actually know anything else about what they do. They're just going by what they've been told. Um, so she finds out through him that, like, no, actually, like, most of us are pretty chill. You don't have to do that.
1: You just hunt down the rogues.
0: Yeah. And that's what he explains to her. And she's like, oh, we, we literally have no idea. We lost everything. Um, and so it's I think there's more books coming in that series. Maybe. I don't know. Tolly Hibbert's very busy. She just made the New York Times bestseller list. Hoo, oh, yeah. Congrats. Yeah. Um, But I've said it once, I'll say it again. The Elder Races books by Thea Harrison are fantastic. Just an embarrassment of shifters. Uh, 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 A coven of shifters everywhere. Shifters just sprinkled in every single book. Um, I already mentioned Patricia Briggs. Um, Inferno Rising by Abigail Owen. She has several in the series. It's dragon shifters. I don't know what more you could uh you could want there. Uh, we we did a whole episode on dragon shifters, but I I don't know if I mentioned uh her books in that episode, but <laughs> I I love these books so much mostly because uh I I think what really pulled me in was this idea of of like a these the, the like a dragon driving a car really tickles me <laughs> and like part of the whole thing is that this this particular rogue dragon uh who's who's you know who is has a a quest for revenge and he's he's he has to get this this uh this this young woman to his king so that he can then get his revenge on this other guy who like killed his family and all this stuff uh he has like part of the whole thing is that he has this like magical muscle car um and uh (laughs) i i i also love the idea that like one of the reasons that he she is so coveted this 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 young woman is so coveted is because she is i mean for all intents and purposes she's just flame retardant like it she's actually a phoenix and the whole like magical thing around it is that any man or any dragon who claims a phoenix for for a bride a mate. they are like destined for kingship. Like they're they're blessed, essentially. Um, and so they're they must be hidden and so that they're not hunted by unscrupulous people. But how she's like discovered is that she keeps like bursting into flames, uh, and and she she needs help. Uh she doesn't know who to go to, so she goes to like some paranormal doctors. I don't know. This is like this series is great. Highly recommend. I don't know if we mentioned it in the Dragon episode, so I wanted to make sure I highlighted it here. It's very, very good. Um I've seen Alina Singh, uh, Shift, which is the, um, novella, compilation, anthology, whatever, uh, by Ruby Dixon. It's about a bunch of, bunch of bear shifters in a small town. Um, and then I've mentioned it on on a podcast. We did a whole podcast about this called "The Billionaire's Lasagna." But there is a shifter book uh, about uh, <laughs> a a tech CEO billionaire who is also an, a werewolf shifter, or I guess a wolf shifter, um, and uh, and a woman who who hacked him in the past, and he's never forgotten her. And it's I I loved that book. It was wild. Um, there was like so much to it. Didn't expect that, but. I also like this, the whole shifting thing became kind of secondary to like the like hacking part. And it was this whole thing, um, <laughs> like heists and stuff. But I tried to read more in that series. Um, and I want, I should mention the author's name. Cool, I didn't write it down. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, I tried to read more in that series. Oh, yeah. All these are going to be below. Uh, future Abigail's got her work cut out with her. There's a bunch of books that are going to be linked in here, but you'll find them all.
1: But, I can send you a long list from Diane people and are
0: Yeah. Uh, but I, I tried reading the rest of the series and I couldn't parse it um, because there's like a bunch of people write in this series. And a, all of the books were very, very different afterwards, like tonally. Um, none of them had the same sort of like, like the rest were honestly mostly erotica. And I was like, oh, this is huh, I don't quite understand how we jumped from, like, this book as being the first in the series to being, like, all about BDSM stuff in the next, like, ten books? Like, it, like that one had none of that in it. So I, it was very strange. Um, but that being said, those do exist. If you're into that sort of thing, uh, they're there. It's not really my bag, but, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, that's my list. Um... <laughs> Oh, I did want to mention that I read a really good uh, kind of breakdown of Shifter Romance uh, by Xena over at Stitches Media Mix. It's a blog um, that kind of broke down, A, the genre, but also some of the problems within the genre. But why the person who, who wrote it, Xena, why they still enjoy it despite these many problems Um and a lot of the problems are, like, dubious consent um, and uh, toxic masculinity and, and like, a lot of times abduction and, like, uh, like um, what is this? Um, slavery, also, in a lot of these. Uh, yeah, there's... that would throw me off. A lot of reproductive politics are really messed up in these. Uh, you're going to have a baby whether you like it or not sort of thing. Um, you yeah, know, Allegories for racism that aren't addressed. And also 99.9% of these characters are straight white people. Um, so, like, I don't know. That's a whole thing. Uh, but that being said, like, the, the author of the article was like, you know, there are these really big problems in these books. But also, like, I still read these books. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. These books can be fun, and they can—they can work. They can not have those issues in them, and a lot of them now, I will say, are doing much better than they were. But like, you're gonna find some some bad eggs in there. Well, yep. I think that's true with everything. Yeah, particularly in romance issues. And as long as we're all moving generally in the right direction, things will even out. Right. But when we get defensive and we start saying that, like, oh, well, it's just it's just romance or, oh, it's just smut. Right. Once we start trivializing it or getting too up on our own our own duff. Right. And being like, oh, well, I, you know thousands of people read my books. So, you know, I don't have to listen to you. How dare you judge me? And, you know, yeah, I write about, you know, only white people who, and who live in an entirely homogenous straight world where women don't have reproductive rights and that's totally okay. Right. Like the moment we start getting, we stop listening to like people just pointing things out. um, That's that's the moment things fall apart. So we should actively be talking about it as a community. We should be looking at books more critically. That doesn't mean that we need to cancel every author or that we need to, you know, not read these books. That they they should be stripped from shelves just because like they have this stuff. No, like that's not how this works. It has never worked that way. I think the the broad trend in romance of it's taken a while. I will say. Starting in the '60s, um, you know, of like, there, there are definitely trends of like just 100% non-consent, right? That has more or less left as we've gone on, as we've realized that that's not okay, and enthusiastic consent has kind of made its way in the in in the empty space there, and so we are moving, we are making progress. It's very slow and too slow in a lot of cases, particularly with race. Um, but that being said, like, we are moving generally in the right direction, right? It's kind of like um, getting caught in a riptide, right? You're not supposed to swim directly towards the shore because you'll just get pulled further out. Romus as a whole is kind of swimming parallel to the shore. We're slowly making our way back to the shore, but it's taken a while, right? And so the more
1: readers we have asking for this, the more writers are going to provide it. So the more the books are going to shift.
0: And the more that they are going to be written by people who feel that they are reflected in in romance novels, right? But I think, you know, the shifter stuff and the ABO stuff and the adoption of it and the controversy of it is a beautiful microcosm of that change and what's happening in the conversations that need to happen and that are happening um and I, I again i find it just endlessly fascinating uh and i i know that i dropped a lot of information on you in this pod but that's okay
1: i'll be able to re-listen to it and assimilate it in the future <laughs> once you drop it on society <laughs>
0: Yes, just uh, and watch people go like, "Actually, that's not what ABO is." And, you know, like Addison Kane really did this." And I'm just like, "All right, I, I I don't care. I don't care about any of that. Don't 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 come at me with that heat. Uh go watch Lindsay Ellis's videos if you want or not. I don't care. Or read Addison Kane's books and not have any problem with that. I I don't really care. That's not that's, that's it's I'm not here to be uh judge nor jury. Um if anything, I am I am the defendant, so. Uh <laughs> but uh yeah i think i think that wraps up the episode pretty pretty well should we uh put a put a bonnet on this lady sure we can keep chatting i don't mind <laughs> i'm kind <pretty> of <laughs> enjoying keep... it ah, well i'm glad <laughs> i'm glad you've enjoyed it a little bit it wasn't too painful um did you have hmm? anything you wanted to plug anything you wanted to any books you wanted to shout out anything like that
1: i think i've already shouted yeah, you... out my my limited yeah. book knowledge on yeah this.
0: that's that's fair so,
1: I think That's... people would get bored if they listened to me say it all over.
0: You know, but oh. you should, you, you got a whole list of books to read now. You got, you got. You... Yes. And I'm sure you'll be giving me a, a list in the future. Yes. Yes. I'm perfectly okay I with that. Yes. Uh, okay. So I guess then I will I've jump into my plugs as per usual. Oh no. Well, we're closing on the end. So it's okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. What do I need to plug? Right. Start with the Discord. So we have a Discord server. You can join it if you want. Link is in the description. It will send you to my Twitter. Uh, I'm not reposting the link anywhere. I'm just reposting the Twitter link that has the link and stuff because I'm afraid of the link breaking. So get Get there. Be square. Um, Come chat with us. Find out stuff. I don't know. I'm always on there, so you can just tag me and whatever. Um, uh, I'm also sending out stickers still. I've sent out... An enormous amount of stickers. I've sent out a lot of stickers the past few days. Um, I've sent I out like... one recently. Yeah, you did. Uh, they're very cool. They're very shiny and beautiful. Thank you very much. Uh, yes. Yes, I am. I'm pretending that you gave me those compliments. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Gwen. Thank you. Um,
1: oh, they're just wonderful. Yes, go get them. Oh, Order stunning.
0: Them. They just make your life so much better. They're purple
1: uh, with what looks to be blood. Dripping and yellow
0: rating. It could be, could be whatever you want it and to be. Someone dripping. with a manicure. Yes, yes. Uh, we have several types of stickers. Well, three types of stickers. And so we have the logo. We have a sexy disease sticker, and then we have a spanking corner sticker, which I think is my favorite one. Um, but you can get those for free if you want them. Um, we had. I've had some fun lately. So somebody reposted the thing that said, like, I was giving away free stickers on some, like, free product sites or whatever I found out, which is fine. But I will send stickers to anyone. My threshold is that you have to at least know that you are getting stickers. So I just got this, like, flood of emails of people being like, free sample, send to address. And I'm like, you don't even know what you're asking for. You just heard someone was giving free shit and were like, I want it. Wild to me absolutely wild. You have to at least just be like, hey, can I have some stickers in there? That's all I ask for. I don't care. I don't care if you listen to the podcast or not. Free advertising is free advertising. Um, so if you want those, you can DM me on Twitter, Kingdom Thirst. Uh, you can shoot me an email at kingdomofthirst at gmail.com. You can also use a contact form, which is, I think, the cleanest way to do it, frankly. Um, that is a... It's kingdomthirst at... Doc- kingdomofthirst.com contact. We've got a neat little form. You put your name, you put your address, uh, your preferred pronouns, whatever. You can also use that form to have something read on the podcast. If you like a, have a request for something you want us to do, or B, you just want to shout out a friend who also listens to the podcast. I'm happy to do that. Um, I recently got a wonderful email from fan of the pod, Karen. We love Karen. Um, so like we're, we get, you know, messages and stuff and it always makes my day brighter. So you can do that. Twitter, Kingdom Thirst, Instagram, Kingdom Thirst, Facebook, Kingdom Thirst, Kingdom of Thirst at gmail.com, any of that. Uh, Do I have anything else? Oh, check out our bookshop. I just added a bunch of new books to my like personal, uh, I have Abigail's totally unbiased best books of all time list. Um, you can check that out. I've got a bunch of writing books in there. I've got a bunch of like books that have shaped me as a human being in there, books that I love, uh, books that I find really funny. I think there's like 60 books in there or something like that. And then I also above that in the bookshop have all of the books, at least that are available not exclusively uh, on via certain online booksellers uh all the books that I can get which is most of them in print are linked there that we've featured on the podcast so like um you know we've uh Thea Harrison's books uh Cressley Cole's books like if I've mentioned it it's probably there and if you can't find it there it's almost certainly an exclusive that I cannot get through there and you'll just have to I usually do set put the Amazon link in but you can also just search it um so, yeah, if you do that, it helps podcasts. It helps uh, local authors, local authors, probably, maybe maybe local authors, authors, uh, and then it also helps your local bookstore. Um, and that's fantastic. So I will well, always
1: support local bookstores.
0: Go for and it. And you do. You put your money where your mouth is. I know that for sure. I have seen the receipts, literally. <laughs> yeah, um, I was just
1: there the other day. Literally yeah. yesterday.
0: Uh-huh. So. Mm. Also, um, it would help a lot. If you could make sure to follow us, if you're listening on Spotify, if you're not listening on Spotify and instead you were listening on Apple Podcasts, please uh, subscribe. But also, it would be super helpful if you dropped a rating or a review, preferably both. Uh, Those basically push us up the algorithm so that other people can find it. The podcast gets recommended to more people. Also, my ego, you know, that helps. So stroke the little ego. (laughs) Yes, please make it get bigger. Make make big ego, thank you. Big head, thank you very much. More hat. Uh, well, thank you for being on the podcast. Uh, I'm sure you will be back. We'll talk about something else next time, probably, or maybe not. I don't know.
1: It has been wonderful being here, and has been a bucket of laughs.
0: All right. Well, thanks for listening to the podcast. Goodbye. Go get more books. Yeah.